When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's T. Frank riding solo today on the BWI Daily Edition, and we are going to take a look at some concerning trends in the Penn State offense. Um, Through four games of the season, the offense was producing points, yardage, the numbers you were looking for. Uh, It's only been two games since then, uh, but not the same. So we're going to take a look at that, some of the reasons that might be happening, and of course, set up the whole thing by discussing why we're choosing four games versus two. That's coming up on the BWI Daily Edition. Riding solo, like I said, I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Um, one thing to set this up, got a lot of numbers coming at you today, and I have provided some graphics for that. Um to help illustrate that. So if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll get all the pretty lights and shows. If you're listening on the podcast, hopefully you got a quick brain that can keep all this stuff uh, sorted. I'm going to do my best to make it clear and understanding, but we are, this is another one of those stat heavy, dense shows. Um, one thing that I don't understand is math and numbers. I know how to use it sometimes, but uh, I don't know how certain things work. Like let's consider one particular bane of my existence. The almighty algorithm. I want this show to grow because it's my baby. This is this is my baby. So if you want to help me out with this, make sure you like the video. That's the first thing off the bat. Tell your friends about the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. And if you're listening on the podcast version, make sure you download, you subscribe, and you rate all of those things so people know we're talking about Penn State football in a way that is uh, in-depth, interesting. And uh, despite my graphics interns, Thomas and Frank, looks pretty good, I hope. A lot of matchy-matchy, same-same stuff today. Okay, so let's set all of this up. Penn State football is 5-1. and Coming off their bye, they lost with a thud to Michigan. But before that, the offense has had some frustrations and some struggles. And there's something that I was curious about, given Penn State has a new look this year, very different flavor of what they're doing, especially the way they're doing it and the amount that they're doing these things. We've chronicled this both at bluewhiteillustrated.com and here on the show talking about the run game, the diversity of what they do compared to what they've done in the past. So now that teams have had some time to look at it, can you feel when the switch happens of, okay, we we're, we're no longer surprised. We know what you're doing. And then we can, we can build a game plan specifically for Penn state 2022, not Penn state that we know under Mike Yersich. I asked James Franklin that question uh, about a month ago and here was his answer. You know, you're doing that all the time. Um, obviously I think when it really becomes legitimate um, is probably by game four. Because most people are doing a four-game breakdown of, of who they're playing. Um, that's when you have enough of a sample size to say, okay, they have a legitimate tendency. And again, tendencies aren't always a bad thing. That means you're usually probably pretty good at something. 
Um, but if you can do some things to break those tendencies, you'd like to do it. And then. So that's why we're using a four game sample size. Uh, teams have those four games now on Penn State, and that is a rolling accumulation at this point. Um, there's some concerning trends, understanding that if we take a look at the first four games versus the next three weeks, one of them is a bye, and the other one is the Northwestern game. That's all fair. I've tried my best in this conversation to mitigate those factors, but it is, we need more information. The, the, the nature of all of this is that we'll get more data against Minnesota. We will see what happens. And um, the point of this is not that Penn State is not adjusting. They are trying to do different things and add different features to the offense week after week after week. But largely what they are doing is the same but better, I think, is fair to call what the plan is so far, especially, and this is how I feel about the game plan versus Michigan. We are going to be who we are. We we worked very hard in the off, in the off week to get better at it, and we're going to come out and we're going to execute. Here's how that's gone in a couple of different places. There's some concerning trends. And we'll get to those stats right now. We're going to start with quarterback Sean Clifford, and then we're going to go to the run game um, because they are correlated. But as always, we start with the quarterback. Here has been one of the biggest frustrations over the first month and of the season versus now. His completion percentage for the first half. 64.1%, which is good. This is just the raw completion percentage. So he was completing 64.1% of his passes throughout the first uh, four games of the season. That is what can get you through a game. <laughs> that can get you, that is taking care of the offense, that is operating things. The numbers were all healthy for the quarterback. So the system was working, play action, and let Clifford throw the ball when he has to. And he won Penn State the opening game in a lot of ways. Since then, his completion percentage is 43.6%. The last two games have not been kind to Sean Clifford. And here's a large part of why. It's not entirely why, because Penn State is doing different things than just running the football in play action. But the threat of the run game for the first four games was real and significant. Nick Singleton averaged nine yards a carry. Katron Allen on a more predictable clip more consistently, six yards a carry. And of course, Kevon Lee was in there, 3.4 yards per carry. He is clearly the third back at this point in the offense, and that is, is shown through the number of total carries throughout the season so far. Either one of these splits, by the way. So it did not take very long for the two young runners to become the focal point of the offense. Over the last two games, not as good. In any way, shape, or form. Nick Singleton, that average per carry has plummeted to 3.9 yards per carry. And again, this is over multiple. This is a lot of carries. This is not a, a small percentage because if you look at that Northwestern game, they ran the ball quite a bit. Katron Allen, the efficiency is down 3.7. And Kevon Lee, surprisingly up, but you know, over maybe 11 carries at 4.3 yards per carry. So the threat of the run game has diminished. Because Penn State is running the ball. And they're running the ball. And they're, they're running the football. I don't know if you know this or not, but they're establishing the run. First down runs. Second and five runs. Third and short. They are trying to establish an identity. And I talked about this in my film study after the Michigan game. The troubling trend, even going back to Northwestern, and I'd say even before that four-game sample size was up, Central Michigan... I believe began the blueprint of how you attack Penn state. And uh, 
that's been a problem. Now, of course, they were able to rip off some of those long runs and make everything work, but uh, teams are suffocating the Nittany Lions. There is no space for them to create plays. And if it starts with a running game and you went from nine yards of carry for Nick Singleton and six for Katron Allen, and I wanted to highlight both of them because they have different skills. Some of them is boom or bust. Some of them is down to down, play to play. Neither of them are getting the same yards per carry. Now that goes into broken tackles. That goes into uh, scheme and a bunch of different things. We're looking at just the finished product here to make things simple and clean. Um, so the offense, the primary function is not the same threat that it was. And that leads into Sean Clifford and, and his, uh, his ability to throw the football. Okay. So we're talking about space. If you can't create space up front with the running backs and the running game, because the offensive line has struggled, uh, things have taken a step back there in terms of overall production. That's how you create space for the runners. Uh, runners with speed create their own space at times, but you need to be able to, to have a crack every once in a while to make a big run. The other way you can do that, and Penn State is not doing this this year, is through explosive downfield passing. And uh, that is not something that they're doing this year. Play action off of the run game is a big part of that. So let's look at Sean Clifford's play action passing. Through the first four games, very efficient. This was probably the best use of play action that they've had in a while. Um, you know, healthy completion percentage, 340 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Used it 30% of the time. Uh, not too much, not too little. Just, uh, we'll call it just right. Maybe even a little bit high for a lot of teams. If you look across the country, it depends. There's much more of a wide variety in college than there is in the NFL. But effective use of play action and using it, you know, using it a good amount. The last two games, 38%. So they've used it more and they've gotten less out of it. 8 of 16 passing, 158 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. If you extrapolate that over three games, it's about the same amount of passing yardage, 318, but you're using it more. So the the percentage of how much that would um, that would be used is is a is a problem. Like you're, it's less efficient. The running game is less efficient. The play action pass is less efficient. So then let's get to the last way that teams can create explosive plays: broken tackles. This was a huge conversation coming through the off season. It was a huge focus, whether. Uh, they admitted it or not internally from what we, you know, our observations and through the first four games. And again, Ohio and central Michigan are in there, but here are the, here are the numbers. Key broken tackles as well. One Penn state, certain games like Purdue 24 broken tackles through the first month of the season. So players were getting enough space and they were enough of a threat to have the ability to break a tackle. Teams were not anticipating. They were a little bit off of uh, the edge. You know, they weren't anticipating things. And Penn State's athletes had enough room to break tackles and make big plays. The last two games, they have broken five tackles. And again, like play-action passing, if you extrapolate that over a four-game sample size, we get to 10. So not even half of what they've been doing through the first month of the season. That does talk about individual games, but it also talks about schematically this problem of how are you generating offense? Because if it's if it's all about the run game and it's all set up off the run game, and we've discussed the Penn State offensive line, 
their struggles this year. This is this is my concern. And uh, we've done a good bit over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. We're going to do more this week talking about the Penn State offense, its philosophical roots right now, which seem to be divergent, and uh, what those are producing. So this is kind of the fruit of those labors of you've got a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to what Mike Yersich was as an offense coordinator before he got to Penn State, what he is now, and what James Franklin said during his weekly press conference, two tight end sets. That has been a, that has been a huge difference for uh, Mike Yersich using those guys this year and last year, but primarily this year, as opposed to what he did previously. So I dug into all of that history and uh, wrote an article about that at bluewhiteillustrated.com. And right now, Penn State's new identity coming out of the offseason and all of the conversations about what Penn State wants to be. They want to be a balanced team. They want to run the football. After the first month of the season, the results are diminishing. Running the football more. Sometimes more is not more. It's just more. More isn't better. It's just more of the same. So Penn State dedicated to running the football, establishing those things, and then play action off of that. They went even harder after that in the last two games, and it produced a total of 27 points over eight quarters. And remember, the defensive touchdown against Michigan made that a 17-point uh, total for Penn State at the end of the game. So what do they do now is a big question because we let's go back to the space conversation for a second. There are different ways to create space within an offense. We talked about that before and the different ways you can create offense and create threats. You don't always need speed. I've focused a lot on uh, Nick Singleton, game-breaking speed, but really that's, that is it on the offense. There are other ways to create legitimate threats in the, in the offense that other teams have to account for. So let's dig into the two tight end set idea. Theo Johnson, Penn State's, I would say, primary receiving tight end. He is the, the inline tight end, has three targets this season. I understand he was missing for the first two games, but um, or at least for the first game. He's been back, and he's seen three targets, two catches, I believe, for 19 yards. So when you run a, the, the point of a tight end, the point of a well-balanced athlete at that position is that they create a disadvantage no matter what personnel you are in. So if you bring out a defensive end to cover them in the slot, that's an advantage in the passing game. If you cover them in the slot with a receiver, with a defender, with a with a defensive back, a safety or a corner, they are now a threat if you want to motion them in to the formation and run the football. But Penn State is running the football so much and not throwing to any tight end that isn't Brenton Strange that these are not legitimate threats. So when we talk about balance, and that's been a big conversation point this year, is being able to throw the ball. Starting out a game where Sean Clifford has to win you that football game. Then pivoting to where Auburn, the running game, wins you that football game. You have to be able to do both. And right now, if you want to create balance within a system, all the threats have to be legitimate. Throwing to the receivers, that's a legitimate threat. But that is one threat. And one that right now, if they're not able to create the vertical separation, teams can co compress the field 
and take away underneath passing attacks, which is what Michigan did. They were able to stop the run with limited resources and then attack the underneath zones with extra defenders and specialty blitzes. A way to get teams out of that, you know, for Penn State, a way to get teams out of that is to create legitimate threats that do create that imbalance on defense to throw to the tight ends enough that those guys create a matchup problem for the defense. But right now, Penn State hasn't been able to do that. And there's a lot that goes into that. This is far from a complete picture. You know, even in game, we we broke all that down at bluewhiteillustrated.com in the film review of the offense. There, there's so many layers to that. But when it comes back to it, we want to look back out to the larger scale of this particular conversation. If you have a predictable set of circumstances that you are you don't have to worry about Theo Johnson, the receiver, and Theo Johnson, the run blocker, isn't necessarily a threat that way either, what is the benefit? If you don't have a third receiver with speed to stretch the field vertically and you go to two tight ends, like you have to find a path forward. Again, I'm not the offensive coordinator. I am not a coach. These are solutions that they are working on inside the Lash building. But these are the problems that they're dealing with, at least in my view of things, is that they need to find a way to create a balanced threat to the running game. Because we talked about this earlier this week. If your offensive line is banged up, and they are at this point, Landon Tangwall missed last week, Hunter Norzad has missed multiple games this season, and then the rest of the offensive line, several players are what, what they are. Like, we know what they are. Is there upward ability for that group? We talked about youth and inexperience along the offensive line, and can they grow and have higher highs and lower lows? I no longer think that that's the case this year. I think that, again, we have reached week seven, heading into week eight, and we know what they are now. So if they are not going to be able to create that space and help to create this balance, Penn State is going to succeed and fail based on the matchup that they are presented with. And this week, Minnesota is another team that likes to stop the run. They like to run the football and create offense that way. So if Penn State's going to try and play that game against Minnesota, who's better at doing that? If they are going to uh, not dive into different parts of the playbook each week based on the matchup, and they are going to try and establish this identity, how is that going to go week to week? If Penn State doesn't create explosive plays and the possessions are limited, and that's another feature of what happened uh, against Michigan, possessions were limited. So you didn't have the opportunity to go three and out and then recover from it. Penn State needs to find more ability to move the football in different ways. And here's the thing. You know, we talk about the speed at receiver. I also think that you don't need to be fast to get open deep. There are opportunities for players to get downfield that, you know, they present a challenge to the to the defense, and those clearly are not being taken advantage to their fullest extent. So something has to improve. One of these things has to improve for Penn State to find another credible threat in the offense because right now it's too much to put on freshman running backs that, that, that they are the offense and that the play action passing off of that. And I'll just throw this up here again. You can see the play action passing is becoming predictable. The running is becoming predictable. So if you are predictable, you are not giving your opportunity for, for the ability to create plays, uh, 
you know, and, and create stress on the defense. Penn State's big formations condensing the front against two teams that wanted to stop the run in Northwestern and, and Michigan. Those didn't work uh, this last uh, month of the season, last three weeks. So for Penn State to find a path forward, I don't know that more of the same is going to be the answer. And using 38% play action passing, uh, unless you have some new wrinkles to it. And again, that's the adjustment each week that James Franklin talked about. Week-to-week adjustments. What are they coming up with in the passing game or in the running game to take advantage of what they've already done and some of the things they've shown to create a new situation to catch the defense off guard? Because another thing, going back to the Michigan game, what Michigan's offense did was catch Penn State off guard, in my opinion. They found schematic advantages to take advantage of a weakness that wasn't as extreme as it was, but became that because they had one advantage on top of another. So Penn State's strengths, they need to find a way to play off of those in an unexpected way. We'll see if they can do that. I don't have any of the answers. <laughs> I'm sitting here just uh, telling you the problem and shouting into a microphone about, here are the problems. Now somebody else go fix them. That is an unenviable task, in my opinion. And that's why I sit behind this microphone, because when it comes to it, I uh, I don't know. I'm much closer to you in that situation than, than a football coach. So hopefully that illuminates some of the issues that Penn State has had, and we'll see if some of these things change. And that's the beauty of this, is that we're going to see week to week how this unfolds. And if you want to, bluewhiteillustrated.com will have film review. We'll have discussions about that on Lion's Den message forum. Sign up for $1. That's over this week. You've got two more days. So I've been telling you for almost a full year, sign up for a dollar that's going away soon. No more crying wolf. If you're part of our uh, YouTube community, you watch the shows, you watch the videos. If you're part of our podcast community, you listen to this stuff here now's your chance to go all in and to get all of it. We'll see. Does Penn State pivot this week? I, I'm fascinated by that. I have been fixated on that for about uh, three to four days. And I just, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out on Saturday during the whiteout. So that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, with the official preview of Penn State and Minnesota to see how that goes. Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz coming up next on the Daily. We'll talk to you then.